from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Now make sure you say my name right. It's Latine. See, I talk about things other people are scared to talk about, what they're afraid to say. When I walk into the building, you know what they whisper to each other? This is Robert Latow from BlackSportsOnline.com, and you're listening to the Ugly Truth Podcast, where I don't tell you those pretty lies. I tell you the ugly truth about what's going on in the world of sports, entertainment, and viral news. We're live from Las Vegas. I'm in town for the Canelo and Daniel Jacobs fight uh, at the MGM right now. I'm outside. I'm on the deck, so you may hear some noise. I'm on the deck, but hey, that gives you that realism of the show. I think the tram just passed. It's pretty quiet, uh, the, the part that I'm on, a pretty quiet side of the uh, the strip uh, here, even though I got a beautiful uh, strip view, uh, thanks to the person that was uh, checking me in uh, this morning. I don't travel uh, as much as I used to. Uh, you know, when you've been doing this, and when I say this, I just kind of meant the traveling, covering events. You know, 10 years now. Actually, you know something? This is, and I just thought about this. This is the 10-year anniversary of the... I guess that motorcycle didn't want me to tell you about the 10-year anniversary. This is the 10-year anniversary of my first ever uh, credential boxing event. Manny Pacquiao when he almost killed Ricky Hack. Ten years. It doesn't seem like that long, but it seems like that long. If you, if man, that's that's a crazy thing about time. Like when you're looking at it in retrospect, you're like, man, that's been ten years. But then when you think about all the things that you've been through in those ten years, it's like, man, that was a really long time. <laughs> you know, 2009 to 2019. And for for me, at least, I always kind of trace back that point of the time of when BSO really kind of got moving and really when things changed with the media and online media and my life changing in, in different ways and everything. Very blessed over the last, you know, 10 years. I didn't even think about it. And I think May 2nd, which is when I'm recording this, even though you won't hear it until May 3rd, uh, was the actual day of the fight. So it's it, right now, 10 years ago, uh, I probably would have you know, just been leaving the uh, MGM, uh, the press conference, or leaving the press conference of the Pacquiao-Hatton fight. That's crazy. I wasn't even thinking about that until I started doing this. So this, I guess, man, there's been so many fights. You know, I've covered a lot of stuff since then. I mean, that's, that's the first thing uh, that I covered. Uh, as credential media and I'm very thankful uh, to them uh, for that because I was just an up and, com- up and coming reporter at that time and people didn't really like to give uh, blogs back then as they were called uh, credentials so a big shout out to, to at that point I guess it would have been uh, Top Rank and MAGA Media and all of that stuff that was great uh, to me, and since then, obviously, I've covered pretty much everything that's humanly possible in the world of sports 
and entertainment. So shout out to me, I guess, for that. But you're not here to hear me reminisce uh, about that. And maybe I get to some more of the Vegas stories on the back end. Probably not because, you know, I'm an engaged man now. (laughs) And we don't need to talk about that stuff uh, anymore. Uh, But what we are going to talk about are the Avengers and the Endgame. You know, so, you know, obviously I went to the world premiere. So I saw it the first time that the first time a general audience had seen the movie. You know, there wasn't a testing audience or just executives or anything like that. So we were the first people to see the movie. I think we were the first, uh, you know, the, the, the actors. It was the first time them seeing the movie in full. And, you know, we were, we were bound by not giving out spoilers now since that time uh, I think it's been over a billion with the box office it's the biggest movie uh, of all time I wouldn't be shocked if it you know ends up becoming the the, the biggest grossing movie uh, of all time it's definitely going to be top five uh, at least Uh, now it's time to talk about it though to give the real breakdown of what I thought of the movie um I didn't think it was better than Infinity War. Now, when I say that, it's not that I necessarily think Infinity War was a better movie. Now, follow follow what I'm saying here. I was thinking what you did in Infinity War was the most surprised ending that any movie that I've ever been to had. Like, literally no one was expecting that. Like, no one figured that was going to be how it was going to end because superhero movies simply don't end with the villain, you know, winning. Now, maybe we should have known something because there was a part, technically there's a part one, part two, but that was just so shocking. And I think you're not, you can't replicate something like that, which is why I think Infinity War is different than Endgame, obviously, uh, it was a different type of movie, and but I think in the in the grand scheme of things, that movie is going to be the one when people are talking about that whole saga. I think that's the movie that's going to really st- stand the test of time. Now, with Endgame, even the the ending, you knew more or less they were going to win. See, that's the thing. So, you know, they wasn't going to lose again, you know, the Thanos. So just a matter of how they were going to win. You knew, I mean, because we're not idiots, we knew that everybody was coming back. It was just how they were coming back. Like, we knew what was going to happen. And granted, Endgame did a very good job of, you know, throwing in some twists. But in the end, we knew somebody was coming. They were all coming back. We knew... Somebody was going to die, and we knew that in the end, Thanos would be defeated, so we can move on to other things. Now, uh, let's talk about the good things of the movie. Like, I, I thought the the beginning of the movie where they just, you know, killed Thanos, I had guessed that may happen. I thought that was good uh, because you kind of had to get that weight of he actually won, like won, won. And if you just change all that right at the beginning, it doesn't have the weight. So I did like the time jump from five years after that 
and how it affected the world or the universes and and whatnot. I thought that was a good good decision at the beginning. Um, you know, the that after that, you know, some of the if there was a part, it didn't feel like three hours, but if there was a part that was a little slow. It's kind of like that before they started doing the the time stuff, the time jumping, the time heist. You know, it was a little slow, but I get that they're they're trying to get you emotionally connected to the devastation that happened. Uh, the Thor twist with him, you know, basically looking like us. Uh, I liked it. I thought. Maybe it went on a little too long, but I laughed. I thought it was funny. Um, I thought that was a good twist because even though this is a superhero movie, in reality, that's how people just handle certain things. They maybe gain weight or they get depressed or, you know, and in Hawkeye's case, it is going to kill a bunch of people. You know, it's just people deal with it in different, in different ways. Um, now, the movie actually starts to get moving, you know, after we get all that character drama, it gets moving when they do the time heist. Now, listen, I have a lot of issues with this. Now, I understand that it's a superhero movie, and sometimes you just gotta roll with it, and I get that they try to, because we've all seen movies like Terminator and Back to the Future, and if you even watch The Flash, um, certain things you know change, and and I want to use the flash to explain why what they're doing may work and why I still had some issues with it. So the general point is is that your present can't be changed. Okay, uh, if you make changes in the past that becomes your new present and it breaks off from your current present. So this is different than the back to the future theory, which is simply if you do something or the kill, you know, the kill baby Hitler theory, that if you do something in the past, it will change your current present, you know, back to the future. Marty met, you know, messes up his, his parents getting together. So if he doesn't get them together, if they don't do the kiss, then him and his brothers and sisters cease to exist because he's messed up his future. Now, the thing is, because he changed the past, but it, uh, it ended up being in a positive way, where his dad ended up you know, having some self-esteem, it changed his future in a, in a more positive way. Now, granted, when he got back to the future, uh, that would have meant that he didn't have any memories of all of the positive things that may have happened. His memories were just of what happened in his present before he went back to the future. So this new future was totally different. Now in Endgame, they're saying it, it doesn't work like that. They're saying that what happens is, is if you change something in the past, it breaks off into a tire, an entire different uh, future. Meaning a, a parallel universe or what's commonly known as the multiverse. Um, so, you know, for example, so right now I'm sitting here and I'm, you know, Mr. BSO. And I've been, you know, Mr. BSO because of these events that have happened. Let's say I went back in time 
And somehow or another, instead of, you know, going through everything that I went through to get to this point, I told my younger self somehow that this was what you should, you know, do. And I made that subtle change or so had some, you know, whatever. And I started doing, I, I, it made me take a different path. When I came back, I would still be Mr. BSO in this timeline, but there would be another Robert Littow doing something, you know, totally different, good, bad, or, or otherwise. Now, understandably, there are some issues, you know, with this. Uh, because if that is the case, then what they did splintered off multiple realities uh, because everything wasn't clean. So at the end, when Cap goes back to put all the the, the Infinity Stones back, there's there's already been changes, you know, made. Loki for one steals uh, the Tesseract. So now instead, dead Loki is still dead. But now new Loki is off on a parallel or different, you know, timeline. But he has a Tesseract, so in theory, he could jump timelines. So that's one thing. Secondly, uh, almost everything that they did to get the, the Infinity Stones, they had some sort of interaction that potentially could branch off a timeline, be it Tony talking to his dad, uh, be it punching Star-Lord before he got the Power Stone, you know, all of this stuff, you know, could branch off into new things. But most importantly and and oddly, even though they told, they knew all of this, when Cap goes back, he decides he wants to stay with Peggy Carter. Now, There's a couple of theories about this is that, and one theory to me doesn't make any sense. The one theory is that Cap, when he goes back, he just lays low and let the events happen as they happen. But that's really impossible because they can't happen as they happen because his present is set. Meaning that he has to come out of that ice for all of these events to happen. So there's no way that he could have just laid low because he'd have been like 60 years old, you know, when all of this other stuff happened. What's more likely is that he created basically a new timeline where he and Peggy lived happily ever after. He was still Captain America and dealt with whatever things happened at that point. Which is pretty selfish of him if you really think about it. Uh, but in that timeline, we don't know if there's an Iron Man. We don't know if there's a, uh, you know, all of these other people, a Thor. We don't know what happens in that timeline. Only Steve knows what happens in that timeline. He's been there for a long time because if he went back to like 1940, it appears, we're talking like 80 years. So he's almost like 100 years old by the time he comes back. Obviously, the super serum. Uh, the super soldier serum is what has him living that long and I just think he jumped back to the present timeline to let everybody know like I'm back Uh, here's the shield I've been in this different timeline the entire time doing everything else now the other part that's what people was wondering about and this is the back to the future theory 
is, you know, when Nebula shoots a pass out, why does she disappear? Because technically she doesn't exist. But now what they've done is they've they took this is a little little more confusing because the 2014 Thanos and Nebula and Gamora are on the same timeline as the current versions of themselves. They're just in the past. So I think what happens is is when past Gamora and future Gamora end up getting together, it branches off into a different timeline. It's not a timeline where Thanos gets, you know, all of the stones in his traditional way, the one that they, you know, killed him in. This is a totally different timeline where he jumps into their timeline. And that is why when she kills herself, it doesn't really matter because her, once again, presence, a present time is set. Then on top of that, we get the two things that they're really going to have to explain in the new Spider-Man movie. Um, when Spider-Man goes back to school, Peter Parker, Ned is that he's the same age. And obviously, all of the kids are going on a field trip to Europe. And it doesn't look like Europe is devastated. <laughs> so they're going to have to explain what happened. Did all of his friends get you know, vaporized and there's like half of his his friends are like college age and they're still teenagers. I'm sure they're gonna explain that. But the more the more important thing that nobody has really talked about is in the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. The Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, when when Nick Fury shoots Ned and he's like, nice to finally meet you, Spider-Man. And he's like, you're Nick Fury. Well, that doesn't make any sense in continuity because when Tony Stark dies at the end of the Avengers and they had a funeral, uh, Nick Fury is there and so is Spider-Man and Aunt May and Happy Hogan and all of these other people. So he obviously knew who Spider-Man was because he was unmasked. He knows he's Peter Parker. Peter Parker knows him from the funeral. I'm assuming at some point they went past the dip. So, was this before the snap? Or was this after the snap? Like, they're going to have to figure. Or maybe they just cut the scene and hope that we never, you know, we never remember. That is possible, too. So, overall, I think maybe this was all done on purpose. And the reason I say that is I think part of movie and TV shows in this day and age is that you want content and the way that you get content is to leave all of these kind of open-ended questions like I've literally seen like 10 videos about this on YouTube from Looper and and Screen Rant and Mr. Sunday Movies because I think it was purposely kind of left to discuss because if you explain it too well then there's nothing to discuss um, what's next for the MCU after Spider-Man? I, I don't know. Like, this is pretty grand. Now, granted, they got, I don't know, 80 years of the comics to go through. And they have a lot of other characters that they can do. You have to understand that they, you know, 
Iron Man was not considered a, uh, a really valuable property. You know, Ant-Man and the Wasp and Hawkeye and, I mean, the Hulk and Thor, yeah, but they've, the Hulk had movies that didn't quite work out. No one really had a Thor movie. Like, these were secondary characters because the big characters, they licensed out, they licensed out because those are the ones that they wanted. You know, the other the other studios, Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, um, those, you know, they didn't, they, they sold, they already sold the rights to because those were the key Marvel Universe characters. So I think they're going to bring in a lot more underlying characters. Like I, I had read like maybe one Ant-Man comic in my life. I didn't think I like seriously Ant-Man. <laughs> Come on, really? But I like the Ant-Man movies a lot. Um, oh, also one other thing. I didn't, I didn't think if there was two things or two heroes that I didn't think really worked well um, in Endgame would be Professor Hulk. I just wasn't impressed. Honestly, I just I think it's the Hulk and there's a way to do it and they just didn't do it the way it needed to be done. And where was Hulk's, you know, Hulk big thing in the big fight was you know kind of saving them from the flood or whatever like where was his rematch with Thanos I, I wasn't feeling that and I, I didn't think Captain Marvel was very good either. Um, in, in in this movie she kind of had a a bitchy feel you know to it thought her a little a little mini fight with Thanos was good but yeah she just came off a little bitchy in the movie so those are my general thoughts about Endgame. Like I said, I'm, I'm glad they have, you know, enough content where I can talk randomly about it for 20 minutes. That's really all you need to know about it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you shouldn't be listening to this, but uh, that's why I put it in the, I put the spoilers in a podcast as opposed to written because you literally have to hit play uh, if you want to listen, you know, to it. You can tell I'm watched because it's not even midnight and I'm already tired. <laughs> that that 20 minutes took a lot out of me. A lot of time travel. Tri- time travel stuff is very exhausting. Uh, things I do for you guys. Uh, quick thoughts on James Harden, the Rockets, and just uh, players that seek files. Like, I have no issue with trying to get to the file line. And in general, I don't have any issues with the way James Harden plays because he, you know, he gets to the foul line. He, he, you know what he's going to do. And so if you know what he's going to do and you still, you know, partake in it, then, you know, you're partly to blame. Now, with that being said, the, the flopping and the kicking out the legs on the three-pointers, they got to stop. And I'm glad that between game one and game two that, you know, both the Rockets and the, the Warriors decided just to play the game straight up. You'd be surprised. You play the game straight up, you know, it makes it a lot easier on the refs. We don't have to talk about it as much. You know, there's always going to be missed calls. There's always going to be phantom calls. There's always going to be files that weren't called that should be. There are also going to be files that were called that probably shouldn't have been. That's fine. 
you know, but let's not make it into a game that if I'm shooting a 25-foot shot, uh, my legs are 20 feet in. That's just not how it's supposed to be played. Now, if you want to, you know, you do an up fake and get somebody in the air and you want to put a shoulder in them, I mean, that's acceptable. You know, but let's, let's, when we shoot the ball, let's try to actually make the shot. You'd be surprised how that will work, you know, for you if you do that. And let's just cut down on the complaining. Like, I get it. It's an emotional game. None of you have ever committed a foul. You know, but you're the best players in the world. I mean, you're James Harden. You're Chris Paul. You're Draymond Green. You're KD. You're Steph Curry. You know, it's, come on. Just play ball. That's what we want to see. We just want to see uh, a good ball. So, I'm glad that they cleaned that up in game two. Rockets are down 2-0. Um, we'll see what happens when they get home. They always say a series doesn't start until a road team loses. So, you know, if they win game three, everything is just the way it's supposed to be. So, we'll, we'll see about that. And just the last thing, um, just talking about the NFL draft, uh, you saw what happened. I mean, what happened is what I saw said was going to happen. You know, ESPN is, is MAGA in an extent, and they protected Nick Bosa while they talked bad about literally every other prospect. Not surprising. Not surprising to have Donald Trump uh, speak on uh how much he loved Nick Bosa while not praising Kyler Murray, the actual number one pick at odds. None of that surprising. My job is to make sure that you know you just open your eyes to things and that you see what's you know what's going on, that you understand what's going on. That's my only job. You know, I'm not like I always said my, my issue is not with Bosa. Because, hey, if you're MAGA, you're MAGA. You made that choice. You want to be on that side of history. You know, that's on you. You know, you hate on people like President Obama, Black Panther, Beyonce, uh, Colin Kaepernick. That's on you. That's that's something that you're going to have to live with. And then in 10, 20 years, when we see how this all plays out, you know, they, you, what side of history you're going to be on? Like, I don't have an issue with that. If that's the, you know, to me that just shows the type of person that people are. If they if they go down that route, my issue, of course, was with the media. It's like just be fair, be fair. If a black prospect had tweets like that where they were homophobic. They were liking tweets. They were following black extremist groups that said kill all white people. If they were talking crazy things about Muslims and women, um, there would have been a problem. It would have been a big problem. You know it, I know it, they know it. But because it was a white guy talking about a white president and basically white supremacy, it was not. it was barely mentioned. At all, uh, but I do want to give a shout out to the local uh, 49ers media and others who did ask him about it, who did 
discussed it with him, forced him to talk about it. I do give them props, but no props to ESPN. And even though I think the NFL Network is a superior uh, draft show, they didn't really mention it as well. Steve Smith, listen, I'll tell you something. And I always tell you guys this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't say things on these platforms that I wouldn't say to the player, other reporters. I wouldn't say to their face. So when I say this, Steve Smith was standing here and we were talking. And so, you know, he said, repeat what you said to me. I would say this exact same thing that you're, you know, what he said about Josh Rosen was just, it was stupid. It made no sense. It made him look dumb. And I get it. Some of you guys like when you like, look, this is the side that we're in. The louder that you are, if you say, oh, they'll kick your ass and you're vulgar and stuff like that. You guys like that. I get it. I get it. And Steve Smith does that a lot. He said he's, he's loud and saying whatever, you know, he's, he says the stuff that other people are scared to say. Like that, isn't that what I say? So I get that. I get it. And sometimes he's spot on. Sometimes. Other times it just randomly doesn't make any sense. Like once he, I don't know if Josh Rosen is going to be any good. What I do know is that because Josh Rosen is not a follower and kind of has his own mind, his own thing, you know, that doesn't fit well with that NFL military mindset. And it's just ironic and hypocritical Steve Smith whined and cried and sucker punched teammates when he didn't get his way, basically the baby, is talking about somebody else and getting upset because they unfollowed a team that they knew was going to trade him. But this guy was coming into voluntary camps and preparing like he was going to, you know, be fighting for the starter's job. I guess weak sauce. Honestly, that's, and I would tell him it to his face it's weak sauce. I don't know if he that Napoleon complex or whatever he got going on, but guys need to pay attention to like really pay attention like you want the substance or you want the fluff you know what I mean like anybody can say oh you trash oh you did that's all fluff like what's the real and that's why I always say I don't care if you're white black you know Mexican Asian I don't know the the, the scrolls it doesn't matter like I like like I was told when I was in college, don't look at the don't look at the person, look at the situation. And after you look at the situation, if you didn't know who it was, make an informed decision. If you didn't know who Josh Rosen was, and you didn't know nothing about nothing, you know Steve Smith or nothing. If somebody came to you and said, Hey, uh, there was a quarterback who was drafted by a team. He had a rough year because they had a terrible offensive line. And, you know, just was not a good team in general. But he did his best. Uh, but they have an opportunity to draft another quarterback uh, that they like and basically replace him. And they've been trying to trade him for months. And it looks like once they take this other quarterback, that a trade is definitely going to go down. He doesn't want them on, you know, they don't want him on the roster. But during the summer and the fall, or the spring, or whatever, whatever months we're in. He came to work every single day because he didn't know if they were going to draft him or not. So he came to work. But they knew. They knew the whole time. 
And when they drafted him, he decided to unfollow them on social media. Is he a bad person? See the situation. Don't see the names. See the situation. Follow me on Twitter. Is that a plane or a helicopter? I don't know what's going on. Follow me on Twitter at BSO. Uh, Facebook, Black Sports Online, Instagram, BSO TV. That's also the YouTube channel. Uh, I got Canelo by Knockout. Uh, if you're curious about what, what my prediction was for the fight, I'm out. Mm-hmm.